0: We, uh, it's been a good week around here. We have, a uh, actually Jody wants to share a quick testimony of some goodness this week and, uh, a celebration, so.
1: Hello. I bet you guys can't wait until winter when I can't talk about my riding lawnmower, um, because it is something I like to talk about a lot. Um, a <laughs> um, couple weeks ago, I, I talk about my riding lawnmower because honestly, I think it's the best therapy around. When I'm on it, my kids know if you come close to me, you might lose a foot and it's not my fault. So that's not funny. He'll, it's not funny considering what happened yesterday. (laughs) Anyway, um, we've really, I've really struggled because about three weeks ago, my, my riding lawnmower went out of commission and I know what you're thinking, you know, just go get it fixed or blah, blah, blah. And I, um, I got under my lawnmower, and I'm like, I know what this is. My daddy has equipped me. He worked on lawnmowers from 60 years. Now he's 62, so let's say 50 years. Um, He worked on lawnmowers and owned a business, and this is what he did, lawnmowers. So I have been raised dusting off lawnmowers, under lawnmowers, selling belts for lawnmowers. So I got under the lawnmower, and I want you to know right now, i if, you, if it ever seems like I'm trying to macho out my husband, I'm not. I absolutely am not. I just love it. He is bigger, stronger, and better than me at everything else. I just love lawnmowers. So I was... <laughs> I was, uh, I was really discouraged because I knew it was the belt. So I went and bought a belt, and it was the wrong belt. And the Sears told me it was the exact right belt, and then someone else told me it was the wrong belt. So I called my dad, and I'm like, Dad, I watched you do this. Can I do it? No, you're just a girl. You'll never be able to do it. Not kidding you. Um, and then one of, the, one of the local shop guys, no, there's no way you could do that. Guess what? I did it. I did it, yeah. I got out there, I was on, I was like, you know what? Philippians 4.13, that's my verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things, and then, you know, I, I got the belt up on, and there was one little piece that we need, I needed two hands on, so he got on the other side, and I got up on the lawnmower, and I burst into tears. It's the stupidest thing, but I burst into tears with my arms up, and then I ran into something and broke it. No, but I was really, really excited about this dumb lawnmower. And I just, the dumbest things that excite me are the greatest things that excite our Savior. Like, no amount of joy. I know God was looking at me and going, I am that excited about you. I'm that excited about your lawnmower. I'm excited about your faith, about your your persistence. You're saying, you know what, I don't want to spend money on this. We can do it. And I just, I just drove off into the horizon in excitement and mowing and stripes are awesome and all that. So that's it.
0: It was awesome. <laughs> Here's the thing, and this is really true, because she really has a thing for lawnmowers. Like, <laughs> see, I, I – God has blessed me. How many of you husbands have your wives that want to mow the grass more than you do? Anybody have a wife like that? Nobody, right? Like, I'm the only one. She literally says, no, you can't mow the grass. I'm going to mow it. Okay. (laughs) You know, like, I'll just let her do that. But she's got this thing, and, and here's the thought. If it matters to me, it matters to him. You understand like the the bible says he gives us the desires of our heart so he knows us intimately right and it's a big deal to her for whatever reason whether it's you know dad and the mowing thing and all that or whether she just likes to get out there and get away from the sound of four kids you know whatever uh playing piano and uh so it doesn't matter what but here's the thing if it matters to me it matters to him i want you to remember that because we are sons and daughters. Remember, we got a great message last week. If you weren't able to be here last Sunday, we had a a guest with us, Ian Carroll, and it's on our podcast. It's on our website if you want to listen to it. There's just a great, we had a great weekend celebrating the thought and the idea that we're not just orphans or servants, you know, of God. We're actually sons and daughters. And I, like, okay, so I'm a dad. I got four kids. Last night, my daughter... One of my daughters, Sydney, went to the, to, to the high school for a freshman thing, so I had to drive her there. My other daughter, my next one down, was Susie, and she loves uh, roller coasters. She loves Great America. So, you know, I'd been working in the yard all day I'll get to that in a minute here but all day long we had been working in the yard. I wasn't really up for it, but here's the thing: Susie really wanted to go get our food stuff at, at Great America. We have a food, food pass thing, and she wanted to ride Superman you guys been on Superman? It's good if you're under like 30. If you're over 30, which, you know, 31. If you're over 30, what are you laughing at? If you're over 30, you know, like it's really not a comfortable ride. But I remember going on this ride thinking, I am only here because of my daughter, right? But I'm doing it because it matters to her, so it matters to me. And the thing about our Father in heaven is the same thing. Like, he literally wants to do things in our lives because we're his sons and daughters and because it matters to us. So here's what I want you to stop praying. Stop praying things like this. Well, I'm only this. Or, God, you know, this is kind of stupid. It's not a big deal. You know what? Stop praying that way. Just pray and ask your heavenly father who wants to give good gifts to his children, the Bible said. He wants to bless you. So whether it's a lawnmower, whether it's an unsaved loved one, whether it's a miracle in your body, whether it's, you know, some big thing, it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, he loves you. Just put your hand on your heart as we get started today. So, Father, as sons and daughters, we just thank you, God, that you love me. Can you just say that, Lord? You love me. And then I am either son or daughter. You just fill it in for yourself. I am your son. I am your son, and you care about me. You care about what I care about because you have put your thoughts and your heart in me because the same power and the same Christ lives in me. I am your son. I am your daughter, and you love me. Yeah. Yeah. just good, isn't it? We're going to be talking quite a bit about sons and daughters and kind of, you know, we've, uh, we talk about it around here quite a bit already, but I feel like God wants to refocus us in those areas because oftentimes we don't feel like sons and daughters. We, or let's take that back. Sometimes we don't act like sons and daughters. We act sometimes like orphans or just servants and those that don't have an inheritance. And we do have an inheritance. And God has some great things for us. Hallelujah. Hey, the Labor Day picnic thing, sorry for the mix-up there. Uh, It's uh, actually on Labor Day. It's from 4 to 8. And we invite you all to come and bring as many people as you want. Last year, we had a really big crew. Just we do a lot of games. And if you want to just hang out, you can. If you want to play games, all that stuff. And then just check that list in the back on the welcome desk for what to bring. That'd be awesome. One other thing that we... That's in your bulletin, and that is that uh, we have a wow team, wow, W O W Wow team, that is our greeters, our ushers. And the reason for the wow team is this we want people to come in and experience us and go, Wow. <laughs> right? And in a good way. Not like, hey, wow, look at that cobweb in the corner, or hey, wow, that person has really bad breath, or you know, those kind of things. <laughs> you we want you to experience wow wow in a really good way. <gasps> I'm good. In a really good way, right? <laughs> And so if you want to be a part of that, September 9th, where is Florence? Is she here? There she is. This is Florence, and uh, she's in charge of our WOW team. And so September 9th, from 10 to 12, uh, if you want to be involved, you can see her. How many of you know this morning that God, not only as your father, and we are his sons and daughters, but God has a purpose and a call on your life? You know, one of the things, as, again, as a father with my children uh, if you have kids, you know how different they all are, right? They just are completely different. Mine are like in some ways in that they all are outgoing and gregarious and loud. You know, they like to talk and they like to joke. They all think they're funnier than mom and I. And that's just not true. And that's not possible, I know. <laughs> but uh, but they're all different. And But the thing about it is they all, God has uniquely gifted and, and touched them in ways that are completely their own, right? And one of the things we're going to talk about this morning, we've been in this series on Moses over the last few weeks, and I uh, believe that God is really wanting to do some, to, to bring us to places of understanding in the fact that this, that God knows right where we are, he understands everything about our lives, and he has a plan and a purpose for us. So, you know, I want to counter a little bit, we are sons and daughters, but we're sons and daughters on assignment, that we have callings on our life. And this morning, uh, I want you to just share with you a little bit about the call. Uh, turn with me to Exodus chapter 4, if you will, or put your finger in there. And uh, we're going to be reading there in, in a few minutes. But one of the things that God really has been challenging me with is how big his dreams and plans are for our lives. How many of you thankful this morning that God is not a puny God? He's not a small God. He's really big. And uh, one of the things God's been been challenging me with is this idea that that His plans actually are are really scary, right? That there are things He's calling me to that are like if it's not a risk, it's it's not even worth it. It's not, and it's probably not God in some ways because God always wants to move us into dreams that are bigger than what I'm able to do, right? So like sh- sh- you know Charlotte was talking about getting a word of knowledge and you know talking to someone. How many of you know it's a risk when we pray for people out in public, right? How many of you know it's a risk when you share your faith with someone, when you begin to tell them, this is what God has done in me, or this is what God has told me um, in, a, in a supernatural way in regards to something that's going on in your life, whether it's a word of knowledge for an injury or something like that? That's a risk. And God is always going to be pushing us into these risky, challenging areas. Why? 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 Because it grows us. It grows us. How many of you know it, again, as parents, we're fathers, sons, and daughters. As parents, there are many times where I purposely don't step in and help my kids with something. I actually step back because I want them to learn how to do something, right? So the other day, <laughs> I have daughters. And daughters and bugs do not go together. I don't know if you've noticed this. <laughs> daughters and bugs do not go together. So, yesterday we're, we're out working in the yard, and Sydney, I said, Sydney, go get a rake, because we're going to be rake. I'm cutting a bunch of stuff down. I want you to rake it up, and we're going to go burn it. So, I uh, said, Sydney, go get a rake. It's in the shed. She comes back about two minutes later. She's going, Dad, I can't get the rake. I said, Why? Because there's spider webs over there, and there's bugs. I'm pretty sure there's a big spider over there. I'm, I look at her and I said, Sydney, you are strong you are powerful and you are the bug destroyer. Now go get that rake all by yourself. Now how many like you know as some dads it would be easy for me okay I'll go help you. I'll save the bug and all this whatever or I'll kill the bug and save you whatever. I said no Sydney. You go get you go get that rake. You you I want you to conquer this thing. So I don't know if it's a bug thing going on in my house but this morning as we're getting here to come to church Sally, my youngest, is getting in the car and I look over, and there's a big old, how many of you know, the bigger the antenna on a bug, the more scary it is, right? Like, even for me, I'm like, what is that? But it's right there on the door, and I said, Sally, I want you to take this napkin, and I handed her the napkin, I said, now, get, go get that bug. Ah! You'd have thought it was David and Goliath or something. I mean, it was so, it's like, I can't do it. I'm looking at her, Sally, you can do it. You're powerful, you're strong, you're amazing, you're the bug destroyer, go get them, you know? So she kind of waved at it and went outside and flew away. Yay! <laughs> you know, she was able to kill the bug. But the point of it as a dad, like, there are times that I, I'm going to make them do things that they maybe don't want to do. I'm going to put them into uncomfortable situations. Why? Because I want them to grow. If I always step in and save them, how many of you know that they're not going to be very strong in that area? And I think sometimes in our lives, God allows us or situations to happen in our lives that here's one of the things we're going to talk about today that the difficult situations of our lives we have to start thinking about them different because sometimes we start to have a bad situation or something bad happens and immediately we go to what poor me God must not love me because he's letting this thing happen right? or some variance of that that is orphan thinking That isn't sons and daughters thinking. You see, because if you read through the Bible, there's no characters in the Bible that don't go through rough times, is there? They all go through rough times. Some of them even scarier than bugs, you know, (laughs) like actual death and, you know, torturing and this kind of thing. Like, as you look through, and even in the New Testament, it talks time and again about what trials and persecution actually build perseverance and character and these kind of things. So one of the things I really want to challenge us to do is that if you're going through a a difficult time, don't waste it. Don't waste it crying and, and saying, poor me, and all that kind of stuff. I want you to take the difficult situation of your life, and I want you to use it. And look at it as an opportunity where you go, hey, I don't really see this God. I don't really know what you're doing here, but you're a good God, and you're a good father. And even when I don't see it, like this morning, Sally probably thought I was the worst dad in the world because I was making her kill this bug. Well, she doesn't, but, you know, she's probably wondering, what in the world is dad doing making me kill this bug? Because I want you to become a mighty warrior princess. You know what I'm saying? And so the the idea that God changes his character based on our circumstances is a lie from the devil. Did you catch me? The thought that God would change his character based on our circumstances is a lie. And so one of the things that, the challenge for us is to say, God, you're good all the time. You're good all the time. So yesterday, we're doing this yard work thing, and uh, we had gone on sabbatical for a few weeks back, a few weeks ago, and one of the things that happened, (laughs) if you don't kill things and cut them down, they tend to grow. I literally had an eight-foot weed in my backyard. Like, seriously, it was this big, it's about this big around, I, I... almost had to get a a hatchet out to chop this thing down it was so horrible and we had already kind of killed the front we'd done the front yard but yesterday we started on the backyard so we got healthy bodies i got healthy kids we get out there we start doing our thing and i'm using literally i'm using a hedge trimmer at the base level to chop down all these weeds because they were that big and they were that tall and we're just kind of hacking away at it and sam was mowing and the different kids were breaking and doing all this stuff and we're just celebrating the thing. Jody comes out and she's like, I think we can do this belt on the lawnmower, right? I think we can do this. She's getting in underneath, she's doing it. And and I'll tell you this perseverance is a big thing. Very few things in life happen well the first time. Would you agree? Sometimes you, you fail you keep at it, you fail, you keep at it, do you know how many belts we went through trying to get that lawnmower done, <laughs> right, she's ordering this, and we had different people come and look, and different, uh, man, and finally, even yesterday, two or three times, she tried it, she thought she had it, <sighs> the thing's not working, so, you know, finally, we got, we figured it out, I came over, I saw a little thing that needed to be fixed, and she did her side, and I did this, wow. <laughs> thing starts working, how many of you know, like, when you accomplish something that's taken a long time to do and you finally get it done, you feel like, you know, you feel like an Olympic champion. You're like, oh, you know, like we should have a background track because we're like this. And she's driving out of the thing. Oh, you know? She's literally driving around crying because we had conquered this thing that was going to cost us probably hundreds of dollars, but we were able to do it. So we're, we're, we're at a high. We're celebrating, right? Within the course of that day, I'm whacking on stuff and four bees come out and sting me. Like all at one time, not fun. I don't like you know that was that was a very painful, if you will, thing for me. Susie gets stung by a bee. A little bit later in the day, Sam is using the hedge trimmer, and for whatever reason, he he reached down to touch something, and it it sliced his finger. So all of a sudden, I hear bloody murder coming from the other side of the house. I come running around, and you ever see your kid with something really bad? And the blood? blood was just pouring off this thing. I thought for sure. He he lost a finger, or two. Got it. Got to the hospital. End up being only five stitches on his one 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 of them. The other one didn't even need stitches. And I'm sitting there at the course of the end of the day. We'd had a celebrating of the mower thing, and then it was like bees were stinging us and bugs were everywhere. And Sam's almost cutting his fingers off. I don't even know. I had a choice. I'm sitting in the in the hospital. I mean in the Urgent care thing. Joe and I were sitting there. And at one point, I, I had a, I've been sitting there with a temptation in my mind. I can go one way or I can go the other. I can either start complaining. What a, man, I can't believe it. You know, we started to celebrate and the minute we start to celebrate, all these bad things start happening. Right? And then I said, I felt like the spirit's tell me, you know what, turn this around. Hey, you know what? Only four bees stung me. There's probably 800 that came out of that nest. It so probably could have been way worse. Susie only had one, one bee stings, right? Sam, he, yes, he had stitches, but guess what? He should have lost two fingers. The, ner- the doctor even said, she's seen these things way worse. And I'm looking at, you know, hedge trimmers are big and they're metal and they're flying. And I sat there and I started to go, you know, what can we celebrate? How can I look at this in a way that says, listen, God, I'm going to give you glory. I'm going to thank you for saving Sam's fingers. I'm going to thank you, God, that this, you know, could have been way worse. I'm going to thank you for the lawnmower. I'm going to thank you for all these things. You've heard it, right, an attitude of gratitude. It all depends on how we think. So I want you to, we're going to run through this quick this morning, but I want you to go with me to Exodus chapter 4 because Moses has been called by God. Back a few weeks ago, we walked through the the burning bush. Moses is in Egypt. The children of Israel are in bondage. They're in slavery. And Moses, you know, back in his, when he was 40 years old, he murders somebody. He hides out for 40 years in the wilderness. God then comes and calls him, speaks to him audibly through a burning bush that doesn't get destroyed. It just keeps burning. The presence of God. God reveals himself to Moses in a way that nobody had ever been Revealed before. Like God had never revealed Himself as the great I am. Not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob. Moses gets a revelation of God like no other person. God sends him back to Egypt with a message to tell the people, the children of Israel, I'm I'm here and I'm going to set you free. So let's pick up the story. Exodus chapter 4, verse 29. It says this: Then Moses and Aaron went and assembled all the elders of the sons of Israel. Okay, so Moses and Aaron, his brother, his name is Aaron, Moses and his brother Aaron, they bring together all of the leadership of the several million, probably, uh, nation of Israel in slavery in Egypt. He pulls together all the leaders, sits them down, and says in verse 30, and Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses. He then performed the signs, miracles, in the sight of the people. So the people believed, and when they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, then they bowed low and worshipped. Let's pray. Father, we love you today, and I thank you so much that you have insight and you have revelation for us today on not only your goodness and who we are in relation to you as sons and daughters, but, God, that, that you have a call on our life. There are some things you want us to accomplish, and most of what you want to accomplish in our life really depends on how we view the circumstances that we find ourselves in. So, Lord, we say yes to that today. We say yes to what you are speaking to our hearts. Faith comes by hearing, right? There's a certain sense that in order for us to get anywhere from A to B to C, we have to hear the message, right? And I love this little passage here because it says that that he spoke the words, and all the elders, all the leaders, they heard what he had to say. But then it says what? That he did the signs. In other words, he says, hey, listen, God's here. He wants to save us. It's been long enough in bondage. Woo! You know? And in fact, to show you how powerful God is, here, watch. Boom. When he throws down a staff. Snake. Picks it back up. Woo! Leprosy. Hey, check it out. Ding, ding. You know, whatever. And I'm sure, like, you know, how many of you have ever seen a, a miracle? Have you seen God actually heal somebody, or have you've have you ever seen a miracle? Okay, many of you, right? When you see that, <laughs> this is what I love about the supernatural. If you speak a word of knowledge to someone, like even that we heard today, like Charlotte was saying, if you speak a word of knowledge to someone in a grocery store, they go, "Hmm," right? If you just witness to somebody and start, hey, Jesus loves you, yeah, yeah, great, whatever. (laughs) But if the Jesus that loves you says, hey, I know you have back pain, and I want to heal you of that, how many of you know that gets people's attention? Right? I, I think it is so silly to do Christianity apart from the way the Bible describes it. It's, you know, it's really dumb to try to do something different than the way God actually lays this thing out. And cover to cover on that book you're holding in your hand, it is words and deeds. You see this here in Moses. You see it through all the stories. You see Jesus. He would preach and do what? Heal all the sick. Raise the dead. Feed 5,000. Walk on water. What? He was saying, look, words and deeds go together. This thing is not supposed to be just one or the other. It's both. Right? So here Moses comes down, and imagine the scene. He's talking to the elders these leaders of a people that have been in slavery for over 400 years, and yet they have been told since they were babies for generations, you're God's chosen people. How many of you think some people in that room are probably thinking, I'm God's chosen people, but I don't feel like God's chosen people because every day I get up and they start whipping me in the back to go make bricks, right? How many of you know sometimes We can be God's people, but the situations around us doesn't seem like we're God's people. It's really important that we realize we're God's people, regardless of what happens around us, and that God really does want to move. And so Moses and Aaron show up, and he's got these people that have been in slavery for 400 years, and they tell them what God's going to do. They show him the mighty power of God with the, you know, the signs. And then it's, I love this verse, they perform the sight, uh, the, the signs in the sight of the people. Verse 31, so the people believed. They believed. They heard the words, they saw the miracle, and they believed. You know, another word for believe is hope. I really believe, I, I believe that the word believe really is just hope. When you believe something, what happens inside of you? You're like, wow, well, God really does love me. All my sins are forgiven. You know, I don't have to live with this big weight on my shoulders. I don't have to live in addictions and bondage. I don't have to live in pain and sorrow. Guess what? I believe what Jesus said. I believe his word. And I can imagine these people, 400 years of bondage, and they hear the message and they see the miracles and they believe. It was almost, I can almost imagine a collective sigh over the whole place like, oh, finally, if we can get out of here. Finally, this is going to be done. Yay, God! <laughs> you know, like I just imagine, right? And then they do, Yay, God! Because it says then that they bowed low and worshiped when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them, that He was ready to move on their behalf. Some of you in this place have had, and some of you listening online have had prophetic words spoken over your life. How many of you just with a raise your hand would say that you've had someone prophesy over you in some way? All right, so a good portion of us, almost all of us. You see, God is still in the prophetic business, folks. He's, he hasn't stopped being prophetic. In fact, Jesus himself was a prophet. So, And the gifts in the New Testament are still the gifts of the New Testament, right? And God still is speaking. He still wants to speak. He wants us to hear. He wants us to then believe and worship him, right? And I love the Moses-God interaction through the story because, you see, God speaks to Moses. Moses does some things. Then he goes back to God and him and back. It's just this revelation, if you want to write this down, revelation and relationship. Relationship and revelation. It's just back and forth. God reveals things to Moses out of love, relationship that God has with Moses. He doesn't want to just send Moses on assignment. He literally wants Moses to know who he is. I am And I will tell you this morning right now, where you're sitting, God doesn't just want you to do something for him. He wants you to know him. He wants you to do the things based out of your relationship with him. Folks, I'm telling you, there are things God wants to accomplish. But even more important than that, he wants you to know who you are. He wants me to know who I am. He wants us to be sons and daughters of this almighty God who who then wants to use us to accomplish great things. So the story gets even weirder now because the people have hope, the people believe they're worshiping God. They've seen the miracles, they've heard the message. So Moses is probably feeling good too, right? I can just see him coming out of that meeting, going, "Bam! It's so far, so good. This is this is amazing." So he says, "Come on, Aaron, let's go see Pharaoh, the king of Egypt." I don't know if you know this, but at that time the king of Egypt was the most powerful man on the face of the earth because the, the Egyptian empire at that time was the grandest. It was the biggest, right? So here is the king of the greatest nation at that time on earth, at least in that, in that region. And Pharaoh uh, and uh, Moses and Aaron are feeling good. They probably got their shoulders. They're going, man, God's on our side. Go up to Pharaoh and say, listen, I need you to let all of your million plus slaves go out into the wilderness because we're going to worship God for a little bit. I need you to let him go for a while and be off work for a four-day weekend or whatever. (laughs) If you read the story, we won't read all of it this morning, but if you read it through chapters 4 and 5, Pharaoh is not on board with what God is doing. In fact, if you do a little study on Egypt, Egypt is a very demonically inspired empire. Like all of their gods are very demonic in origin, and as we'll see in the next couple weeks, the same miracles that Moses and Aaron do, these priests do with demonic power, right? So there's a lot of power. It's a lot of influence. And Pharaoh is not a godly man. So he says, no, you can't go. In fact, he says, I'm going to take away the straw that you all these slaves have been using to make bricks. So they would use mud and straw to make bricks and then build buildings for the Egyptians. That was the slaves' work. Pharaoh says, not only are you not going out into the wilderness, not only do I not believe a word you're saying, I don't believe in who your God is, but I'm actually going to make life ten times worse for your people from here on out. How many of you think maybe Moses and Aaron walking out of the Pharaoh's palace that day weren't quite so cocky and confident in what was going on. I will tell you this. God is not calling us to a life of ease. And there are going to be setbacks in our lives. If you came to Christianity thinking everything was going to be easy-peasy uh, and no, no conflict and everything was going to turn out great in your life in every single situation, I'm telling you, you, you picked the wrong thing. Because the Bible specifically says there will be persecution. There will be trials. There will be difficulties. But he says this, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Jody mentioned the verse this morning, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Here's my thought. If if God gave us everything, why would we need faith? If God made everything easy for us, why would we need faith? Why would we just like big fat babies laying around, you know, just feed me, and everything's great, you know, just ridiculous. But here's the thing, God wants you to be strong. He wants you to have difficult situations where you don't sit there and whine and cry, but you stand up and say, hey, God, Thank you for not letting my son's fingers get chopped off. You know what, God? Thank you that I didn't get stung by the whole hive. I was able to run away and I have legs that work to get away from the bees, right? Thank you, God, that I have daughters that are raising up to be bug slayers. You know, like, like, like Thank you, God, that in these difficult situations of our lives, I'm still going to worship you. You remember Job in the Old Testament? He had this phrase. It's pretty familiar to a lot of Christians. He goes, though you slay me, yet will I serve you, right? It was this mindset that said, no matter what happens, I'm in, God. But how many of you know that's the difficult choice to make? Testing and trials and persecution are not obstructions. They're opportunities. They are actually opportunities. I know Kathy's been on a, a rough physical journey here the last couple months. And I can tell you that it hasn't been easy, right? And you can tell us that, I know. But I also know that Kathy is not one of these people that's gonna go, okay, God, you didn't I didn't, you know, heal me or do exactly the way I wanted you to do this thing. So forget it, I'm out. No, Kathy is one that says, God, I don't care what happens to me, I'm still in. And I'm in with both feet, right? I'm not just kind of in. You know, I'm in with both feet. Remember last week we talked about taking a stand and doing that? Like, th- there's, a, there's this things that happen in our lives that it doesn't matter what it is. For each of you sitting here, I'm, I'm, I'm just having God give me a sense this morning that everybody here has something in your life that's not good right now. Like, everybody here has difficulty of some kind, whether it's a spouse or a kid or finances or your body or whatever. And I believe that God would say to us today, listen, how you handle that – will determine what we do next. Isn't that true? If I will handle this with with faith and trust and believing God, then it sets me up with more power for the next thing that I come into life. And if I handle that one as a son and a daughter, and I get orphan thinking out of my head, and I say, Father, you're a good God, and even though this is happening, you're going to give me every strength, you're going to give me every power, and and I'm actually going to give you a chance to move, God with healing or with provision or with insight or revelation, and you're going to take me from being this to this, right? That might just preach. What do you think? (laughs) So Exodus chapter 5, we'll we'll kind of bring this in here. Exodus chapter 5, we'll jump ahead in the story a little bit, because Pharaoh does exactly that. He takes away the materials, if you will, that they need to build bricks for the for being a slave you know for these buildings, and so he says, "Listen, go find your own straw, and so you see a million Hebrews scatter all over the nation of Israel, I mean of Egypt, trying to find enough materials to make the bricks because they had a quota they had to reach, and when they didn't reach their quota, <laughs> how many of you think the Egyptians didn't go oh that 's okay, we 'll get it better next time. Nope. <laughs> They get out the whip and they start whipping them and saying, listen, same amount of bricks. Get out there. Work harder. Smack, smack, you know. And you can almost imagine the people of Israel who have the words of God through Moses and Aaron ringing in their ears. I've heard your misery. I've come down to save you. You're going to get out of Egypt. And here's the miracles and all this stuff, the the prophecy and the miracles. Can you imagine it ringing in their ears? the whip on their back and the pain. How many of you think they had opportunity to not believe God and what He had said to them? So we find in verse five chapter five, verse nineteen, the foremen, the leaders of the different groups of the of the Hebrews, so the Hebrew foremen are getting whipped, and they as a group, they go to Pharaoh and they say, "Listen Pharaoh." <laughs> We can't make the bricks without the straw. And again, Pharaoh being a demonically inspired uh, king says, tough, get out there and, and get it done anyway. So, Verse 19, the foreman of the sons of Israel saw that they were in trouble because they were told, you must not reduce your daily amount of bricks. Verse 20, when they left Pharaoh's presence, they met Moses and Aaron as they were waiting for them. You get the picture? You're getting whipped. You're getting abused, even more so than you were before Moses and Aaron showed up. It's actually gotten way worse since the Word of God came on the scene. And can you imagine this picture? Moses and Aaron are standing there on the steps of the palace, waiting for the Israel foreman to come back out. Verse 21, the foreman Said to Moses and Aaron, "May the Lord look upon you and judge you, for you have made us odious in Pharaoh's sight and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us." How do you think their attitude and their words have changed a little bit since the last time we read about their interaction? You know, we've got we've got this uh, <laughs> we've got this scene where you you have you. <laughs> There are many times in my life where I've trusted God and things have actually gotten worse. How many of you with just an upraised hand would say, you've experienced that in your life as well? I can't tell you how many times I've heard this. We'll have a service on Sunday. We'll have guest speakers or something. They'll come in and, you know, we'll do some prophecy or something like that. And somebody will get prophetic word. And the next week, they'll come back and say, my week was living hell. And I've had that experience, too. I've also had weeks where it's awesome after that. But there are some times where it actually gets worse, you know. And that's what these people are at. They've gotten a prophetic word. They've gotten the miracles from God. And they think life's going to just take off from there. And it actually goes down. Hmm. I want to just reiterate one more time today. The purpose of trials and difficulty is not to oppose you, but to give you opportunity. You go to the New Testament, you see Jesus and the disciples and uh, you know, many of you know the, is, the nation of Israel in those days was under Roman rule and it was bad. And Jesus comes on the scene and the disciples think he's the new king that's going to set them free from, from the Roman tyranny, right? Only Jesus then goes and gets arrested and beaten and killed and thrown in a grave. How many of you think that probably wasn't what the disciples thought was was supposed to happen, right? So I see even Jesus in this same scenario. I see Jesus, like, you know, he went through rough times. He went through a hard time. But it was to gain a greater glory, wasn't it? It was to come to a new place where actually the kingdom gets established. And so in verse 22, it goes on. Moses, here's the, the foreman, and he's heard the complaints of the people, and they've really lost all faith and hope. Moses then returns to the Lord in verse 22 and says, "Oh Lord, why have you brought harm to this people? Why did you ever send me in the first place? (laughs) Verse 23, ever since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done harm to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. That's probably one of my favorite passages in some ways. You know why? Because Moses is being completely real right there, isn't he? He's completely transparent with God. He's just saying, God, I don't, I don't get it. You told me to do this. I didn't really even want to do it in the first place, <laughs> right? But you called me and you brought me here and you gave me the word and you did the whole thing and we had the prophecy and the miracles. What's going on? Because not only did you not show up, but it's actually gotten worse. Moses says, God, I don't get it. But here's the good part. Are you ready? Exodus chapter 6, verse 1. It says that then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For under compulsion, a strong hand, it means, he will let them go. And under compulsion, he will drive them out of his land. He will drive the Israelites out of his land. God spoke further to Moses said to him, I am the Lord, and I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty, El Shaddai. But by my name, Lord, I did not make myself known to them. So here's what God is saying. He said, I showed myself to you in ways that I didn't to anybody else up to this time. And I want you to get this morning this one thought, that God wants to continually reveal new parts of himself to us. You see, I wonder... I wonder if God would have revealed himself in this way and talked to Moses this way, but that Moses had to go through the hard time first. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a sense, I think, that times that God allows us to go into desperate situations because it makes us desperate. And I don't think he's being mean. I think he's being a good father. You know, when Sydney's in the shed yesterday <laughs> trying to get that rake out of the corner with the buck with the spiders in it, you know, I bet you she was praying, I really do. I think she's a godly woman. I bet you she was in her Jesus Jesus Jesus, please. I mean like she's actually praying. Right. Why? Because she's kind of in a desperate situation, right? Have you ever had a, a difficulty with your finances or with your body in some way? You know, it changes. It's almost as if the level of difficulty of our situation increases the intensity of our prayers, doesn't it? Right? Some of you are shaking your head. You know what I'm talking about. And I think that it's entirely possible that God allows. Now, mind you, I am not talking about sickness, and I'm not talking about things that hurt us. In other words, I, don't th- I know that God isn't giving you a sickness to test you or to try you or to build your character because that's outside of his, of his character. Right? You may have heard Bill Johnson, you know, we have this, this, uh, this word that I, I love from him. He says, Jesus is good theology. Jesus is good theology, meaning if Jesus would do it, that's good theology. If Jesus didn't do it, right, then that's bad theology. Do we ever see Jesus giving sickness to anybody? He only healed it. He only took it away. Do we see Jesus speaking negative words over people? No. Do we see Jesus giving people negative, you know, these situations that are, that are destructive in any way? No. But we do see him healing the sick. We do see him raising the dead, right? And so we find in this story, I think the same thing. Like God isn't making them be whipped, and he isn't making all these bad things happen, but I do believe that God knows right where they are, and they have an opportunity They really do. They have an opportunity, and Moses has an opportunity. So out of desperation, they start having this conversation back and forth. And God says, listen, i am revealed myself as the great I am to you in a way that I never did, your forefathers. And this morning I would say to you, God wants to reveal himself in new ways than you've ever experienced before. Use your difficult situation to say, God, I don't get it, but I am in And if I decide to go in, I know you're going to give me revelation on not only what's happening, but where do I go from here. Can I tell you the worst question you can ever ask? Why? Why is the dumbest question you will ever ask? Because I've been at this for 52 years now. I know I said I was 31, but actually, I exaggerated. I'm actually 52. And I've been at this for most of my life. And I will tell you this. I have asked why many times through my life for a lot of different situations. And I can't even remember hardly, maybe once or twice where I got an answer. Why just doesn't work. So I began to change my question. Instead of asking, why, God, is this bad thing happening? Or why am I in this situation? I begin to ask, what? What do you want to do in this situation, God? I mean, here I am. This is what's going on. Now, What do you want to do? Or how do you want to change me in this situation to bring glory to you and to build my character and to bring me to places in you that I've never been before? So I want to challenge some of you this morning, stop asking God why and start asking what and how. How are you going to move God? What are you going to do so that this is miraculous and I can give a testimony of your goodness, even in the midst of difficulty? He goes on and Moses, God begins to just download on Moses' That, uh, verse 4, he says, I also established my covenant with them, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them the land of Canaan, a land which they sojourned, they had traveled in. Furthermore, I have heard the groaning of the sons of Israel because the Egyptians are holding them in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Oh, you guys, that is so important. God didn't forget his promise. He didn't forget his prophecy to you. He didn't forget his word. It's not that it applies to everybody else but me. It applies to everybody else and me, right? And if you've had a specific prophetic word from God, I want to just encourage you to hold on. One of the people I really love, Chris Valatin, Some of you know him. Uh, he's had he's a very prophetic voice, and he's a lot of. But he didn't start out as Chris Valatin, this 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 great leader, minister, prophetic man. You know, he started out as a guy who was a grease monkey. He worked in auto shops and and all this kind of stuff. And when he was at that place, God gave a prophetic word over him that he was going to touch nations and he was going to be this this prophetic voice. He certainly wasn't at the time. But you know what he did? He took a card and he wrote down the prophecy on the card. And you know, he put that prophecy in his pocket. And he carried it with him for years. Why? Because he said, listen, God's promises are Yes and amen, right? And he took that promise and he said, listen, God gave me this word for my life and I am going gonna, gonna to keep it with me. So whenever difficulties would come or when he would be, have fear or doubt or different things, you know what he did? Whoop! He pulled that thing out and he said, this is, this is what God thinks and I believe this is going to happen. And in my life, I know I've had times where I've had to write down verses, you know, where we just said, this is a promise for me. Or if I've had a prophetic word, I write it down. I actually have two journals, leather-bound, that are almost full now, of just prophetic words and experiences and promises of God and my journey on this whole thing. And I have to go back and read and read and read. Why? Because I'm not going to give up on the promises of God. And I believe that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were given a certain revelation. God then gives Moses the great I am revelation. And God right here is reminding Moses of all that he has spoken up to this point. He says, I am going to crush Pharaoh. I am going to release you from Egypt. I'm going to do these great What I promised you at that burning bush way back there is still true right now and he goes on he says then i will take you for my people and i will be your god and you shall know that i am the lord your god who brought you from under the burdens of the egyptian verse 8 i will bring you to the land which i swore to give to abraham isaac and Jacob, and i will give it to you for a possession and then as a statement he says i am the lord and you know what that is it's the i am statement it's almost as if god is talking to Moses, and he stands back and he says listen I know things stink right now. I know it's hard. But the promises that I spoke to you are exactly true. They're not being wavered one iota. The promises are true. And it's almost like he steps back. Stop the mic. I am the Lord. <laughs> like, I am that guy. You can trust me. You'd think that would be enough, wouldn't you? I'm going to wrap this up for you here. Verse 9. Moses is probably feeling good again, isn't he? Hey, God, sweet. You just spoke the I am thing again and all the promises, you know. And Moses goes back to the people, and he wants to take what God has given him and give it to him again. Verse 9, so Moses spoke thus, meaning all these words that God had given him, to the sons of Israel. But they did not listen to Moses on account of their despondency and cruel bondage. In the Amplified Bible, it says their impatience, their despondency or hopelessness, and their cruel bondage. (laughs) Can I tell you today that oftentimes, for many people, the situation or the circumstance dictates the outcome. See, God gave Moses this great word and did all this stuff and he comes back and he tells the people but because they had grown hopeless and I totally get it folks, I get it we've been on this journey as a church for a few years now and to be quite honest, the prophecies that have been spoken over us, the promises that have been given to us, we're not fully realizing so for many of us, it's the same kind of thing and there's a verse in Proverbs that says this hope deferred makes the heart sick see, if we don't see God coming through the way we think he should come through, our expectations, we can become hopeless. We can kind of just kind of give up on the whole thing. Can I challenge you with something today? We talked about this, I think, last week a little bit. The difference between expectations and Expectancy. See, expectations are this. I think God should do this and this and this and this. And we have a list of the things that we think God should do or the things that, you know, how it should be.